God here today. We can experience his anointing and his touch as heaven touches down on earth. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse number 10. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 10. We will read verse 10 and 11. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. This is part of a, a greater context, but we'll just read the end of it. Three things that Jesus says in this passage of Scripture to temptation. Verse number 10, Matthew chapter 4. Then said, saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. For a few moments this morning, I want to preach silencing the monster. Silencing the monster. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We stand before you today, worship you in the house of God. Thank you for everything that you have done. We pray that your blessing would be upon every person that is gathered together in this place today, that they would be blessed in this house and they would leave feeling your touch and your ability. We honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You can be seated, silencing the monster. In this passage of scripture, Jesus is brought to a place of temptation, Matthew says that he was led up of the spirit into the wilderness. Mark said he was driven into the wilderness. Two different takes on what Jesus was doing in the wilderness. One says that he was led. One says that he was driven. He fasted 40 days, 40 nights. He was hungry. And the tempter came to him and gave to him three temptations. He said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. In another particular place, the second one, he said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple and your angels will bear you up. And then in this particular passage that we read, he was at a high exceeding mountain, showed the kingdoms of the world, the glory of them, and said, all these things will I give you. If you will fall down and worship me. And in every single instance, Jesus responded by saying, it is written, speaking the word of God. Hallelujah. Inserting something that is powerful when difficulties and obstructions come. I'm thankful for the scripture and I'm thankful for the word of God. And this is obviously an example given to us that whenever we face difficult times, we need to speak the word of God because in the word of God is power and it has the ability to silence every bit of fear and doubt and unbelief. We live in a world that is full of confusion and full of fear, doubt, and unbelief. The thing that will silence it is when you speak the word of God in the face of adversity and obstacles and know that there is power in the word. The tempter is always going to come. 
He's always going to tempt. And he will try to find your lowest point, your weakest point. Jesus had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, and he's hungry. That's when the tempter comes. When you feel like you're at the lowest point and you are weak, that's when the enemy's going to come around and say, See, I told you so. God's going to leave you, forsake you. He's going to walk away from you. He'll come in those moments. When difficulties arise, when things happen that turn things upside down in your life and there's no place for you to stay and there's no place for you to go and you feel like you're at the bottom, the enemy's going to come and try to tempt you. But I'm here today preaching to you, just know this, there is one that is greater than the enemy. There is one that is greater than the accuser of the brethren. There is one that is greater than Satan. There is one that is greater than the devil who has the ability to silence the monster and say to you, have faith because God is going to turn things around. Praise God, Sister Lois, your house burnt to the ground twice, but you're in the house of God. You're worshiping God, and the enemy would come and like to bring confusion, but know this, that God is faithful to you. He's going to work it out. He's going to make a way, and when it's all said and done, you're going to have a testimony of God's goodness. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord together. Praise God. It's interesting that when you look at the word Satan, especially in the Old Testament, this is fascinating. In the Hebrew, when you see Satan, it's not a name. That's very, very interesting. So any reference that you get to Satan in the Old Testament, there's obviously a development of the word because here there is a name that Jesus gives to the enemy. He says, get thee hence Satan. But in the Old Testament, it has a definite article in front of it. So when you see Satan mentioned in the Old Testament, it is the Satan, which is descriptive of any kind of force, a threatening force that is trying to obstruct or to block and Satan is in the business of threatening, forcing, or trying to block anything that God desires to do. I, I want to tell you this morning, if you're here in the house of God, it's not an accident. You came because there was some faith in your heart and life that said, I'm going to go to the house of God today. And anytime you try to make a step toward God, there's always going to be resistance. There's always going to be a threatening force and an obstacle. And the devil is always about trying to steal that seed of faith that is in your life. Praise God. How about us at GBFPC saying, we're going to do our best to support anybody that wants to come to the house of God. And we will not let the enemy steal what God is trying to plant in somebody's life. He's only about robbing, destroying, stealing, tearing down. But God's about building up, encouraging and strengthening and his anointing touching. If you're in this place today, you're in the right place today. There's a God that wants to speak to you today and encourage you today. 
to lift up your hands and lift up your voice and say, I know that the Lord, I know that the Lord knows where I am, sees where I am, and understands where I am, and is going to respond to where I am. I wish I had about three to five apostolic people with a testimony that would say, we're not about to let the threatening force steal the blessings of God. Praise God, I'm going to protect it. I'm going to open my heart to it. Hallelujah. While you're, those of you that are standing, I want you to lift your voice, and I want us to pray together right now. I don't know who all's in the place here today, but I know that God is doing a work in their life, and we're praying right now over every single one of them. God, let your anointing and your blessing and your touch and your ability touch them. Praise God, let your ability touch them this morning and let them feel your blessing. Praise God. So in the Old Testament, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an anything that is a, an obstacle, a restriction, a threatening force. And that, that's what I'm referring to when I say monster. <laughs> When I say silencing the monster, I could insert there silencing Satan or silencing the devil or silencing the accuser of the brethren or silencing in one particular case, these called Beelzebub, silencing the Satan. Any, anything that obstructs and keeps you from living for God and being involved in the kingdom of God is a monster. And the monster wants to rob, steal, and destroy. That's his business. That's what he, that's what he is, is about. And so it is a threatening force. But in this passage of Scripture, as we read in our opening text, Jesus said, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. He was silenced or he was prevented or prohibited from speaking because there was one that was greater than he was. You know what silences the monster? Jesus has the ability and his anointing has the ability to silence the obstacles and the things and the adversities that come against you. Praise God, because God is greater. There's one passage that said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The spirit that is in your life is greater than all the obstacles. Praise God. The spirit that is in your life, the Holy Ghost that you can receive, is greater than any of the resistance or threatening force that comes in your way. Amen. And by way of introduction, I want to preach today that there is a God that knows how to silence the monster either by what he speaks or by his very presence. There is something greater than the spirit of animosity, the antichrist spirit that is in the world. There is one that is greater. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus is more powerful than any 
addiction. The name of Jesus is more powerful than any level of dysfunction. Praise God. The name of Jesus is more powerful than any bitterness or envy or jealousy or things that would obstruct or stop. The name of Jesus is greater than any failure. The name of Jesus is greater than any sin. Do I have a witness in this place today? The fact that Jesus is greater silences the monster that wants to rob, steal, and destroy. And I'm thankful here today that he's in this place. If you've got something that you need, know this. There is one that is greater that is in the house. John said Moses is here, but there's one that is greater than Moses. There's one that is greater than Elijah. And I want to say there is one that is greater than the devil in the house of God today. And his name is Jesus. Woo! And he's greater. Praise God. So I <laughs> actually got my inspiration while standing over there worshiping and the praise and worship singers were singing last week. And so I started looking at some of the ways in which God silences the monster. And there are archetypes in the Old Testament in which God shows himself and reveals himself to be greater. Sometimes it's by what he says, but sometimes you can silence something just by how much greater you are. And in some cases, you don't even need to say anything. It's just a settled case that the inferior doesn't measure up to the superior, that the sovereign is much greater. Hallelujah. And there is a sovereign one in the house of God today. So I, I started looking through some of the archetypes. When I say archetypes, I'm talking about stories and incidents that are known from a very early age in Sunday school ministry. They're the archetypes. They're biblical narratives that are, are mentioned and taught. And they stay with us all of our life if we start in Sunday school. And not all of us start in Sunday school. And I would just caution anybody, not everybody's here, but if you are a preacher or a teacher or you're doing a Bible study, be very, very careful that you don't, don't just assume that the person is biblically, has a biblical knowledge because many in our world don't have a biblical knowledge. There was a young lady that came to us not too long ago. She's now in college and we wish she was back. Her name is Ari. And she came, got the Holy Ghost. God did great things in her life. And she went to youth classes and said, you know, these, all these things I'm hearing are inspirational, but I just don't know any of them. She had never heard any of the archetypes. She never heard David and Goliath. Sometimes we assume everybody should know that. Not everybody knows that because we live in more of a secular world than we have ever lived in before in the United States of America where people are fleeing from their religion and they're walking away from it mainly because they're dissatisfied because there's no power in it. And if I'm going to be like the world, act like the world, look like the world, speak like the world, then where is the power of what I'm doing? I'm thankful 
in the house of God this morning that there is a power that is found in the word of God and his spirit. And there is a, there is a standard that we have set that says we are not going to follow the dictates of the world, but we're going to be truly apostolic and we're going to enjoy it and walk in revival. This is what is going to bring people in who are disillusioned with entertainment and illusion and a lie and want the truth to set them free. We want to preach sin from the pulpit instead of calling it all these other nice little phrases and talking about positivity. You know what's positive? I'll tell you what's positive. When you repent of your sins and you are baptized in Jesus' name and he washes all of those sins away and he gives you the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the empowerment that gives you the ability to live above condemnation and sin and degradation and lift your hands in the house of God with a liberty and a freedom. This is what is worth celebrating. Amen. And so there's some, there's some archetypes in the scripture. And one of them is Goliath. The armies of Israel were aligned on one particular side of the valley of Elah. The Philistines were up on another hillside. And Goliath would come out and he would breathe threatenings to the armies of Israel. And what they were wanting to do is they were wanting to pair up man for man. You send me a man, we will fight. And whoever wins, wins the entire battle. And so Goliath would step out on that outcropping. I've actually had the opportunity to be there, and you could actually envision this. I have five smooth stones from the brook in the valley of Elah that I could imagine David bending down and picking up. And you could actually see there's an outcropping, and you could see it actually taking place. You can yell, and you can hear the echo across that small valley. And Goliath would come out and he would breathe threatenings every single day. And this happened for a period of time. He would come out every day. And nobody from the children of Israel would rise to the occasion, step out and say, I'm willing to fight Goliath because Goliath was a very large man. He was a giant of a man. And so there was a fear factor that was at play there. He was an infantry man. And so he came out with the sword and all this stuff, and he had somebody, an armor bearer, lead him out. And David happened to be bringing his brother's lunch at his father's command. And when he gets there, he sees this, and he says a, a great question. He said, is there not a cause? Somebody needs to go out and confront the monster that is speaking threatenings, breathing threatenings. And uh, his brothers looked at him and said, what are you? You are just a, a ruddy child. Go back and take care of the sheep, the herd, and, and, and mess with those things and, and do father's business herding the sheep. You're not out here. You're not a man of war. But David said... I've been there. I've experienced a lion and a bear. Something needs to be done. And if nobody else is going to do it, I'll rise to the occasion because I believe that I serve a God that is able to silence Goliath. And so he put on this armor. Saul tried to put all this stuff because they were thinking infantry man against infantry man. David put all that on. And he said, I've never tested this. This is not what I am. I'm artillery. I've got a sling and I know how to 
use it. And I'm willing to go out and fight Goliath. And so David makes his way toward the Philistine. And Goliath says, am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And he cursed David. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. What happened on the battlefield that day is David silenced the monster. David said, there is one that is with me that is greater than you are. I may look insignificant. I may look small and you may look very much larger in size and tenacity, but the one that is with me is greater than your stature. The one that is with me is greater than your voice. The one that is with me is greater than your threatenings. And David walked at him in the name of the Lord and silenced Goliath. God knows how to silence the Goliaths that face you in your life. There are some things that will come out and breathe threatenings against you. But I want you to know if you come in the name of the Lord, there is one that is greater that is able to silence Goliath. These are archetypes. We sang about it this morning. Daniel is in the lion's den. There has been a decree, political machinations and deception. Because there's one by the name of Daniel that prays to his God. This is how the devil works. There's, there's a whole lot to Babylon, and there's a whole lot of people in Babylon. <laughs> but the politicians in Babylon didn't like it that one guy opened his window to the west and prayed. And so they came up with a decree, a document, carried it to the king, appealed to his ego, King Darius, that everybody should acknowledge and worship the gods of Babylon. And they tricked Darius because Darius had a, a, a relationship with Daniel. And valued Daniel's prayers. But once he signed that document, it was signed. And the perpetrator of praying would be thrown in the lion's den. And Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. And he was there in the lion's den. And the king came in Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 20 with a lamentable voice. Thinking that Daniel would have been consumed by the lion's. And the king spake to Daniel and said, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. In this archetype, God shuts the mouths of the lions. 
he is able to silence every giant that is in your way and he is able to shut the mouths of the lions the scripture said the accuser of the brethren is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour but there is one that is sovereign that is greater than every lion that is able to shut the mouths of the lions in the lion's den and he's able to shut the mouth of the lion that is trying to consume you praise God you got a God on your side that is greater that is more powerful that is sovereign that can silence the monster listen to me don't listen to that voice in your ear trying to derail you because of your difficulties failures circumstances in life praise God get your head up and know that there is one that is greater that is able to silence the voice of the enemy there is one that is sovereign Praise God. I sure am glad you built this thing sturdy because the more I pound on it, the more things fall off of it, Brother Condren, but the more steady it is. You know what we serve? We serve a steady God. Praise God. That is above all gods. As a matter of fact, John said he's the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. I'm not serving an inferior God, a limited God, a weak God, but I'm serving a God that is able to save from every sin every bit of degradation that is able to uplift and bring hope these are archetypes you may have Goliaths in your life you may have lions in your life roaring about You all may also be in difficulties. The disciples were in a boat. Brother Bach mentioned the Jesus boat that was found on the Sea of Galilee when the waters receded. It's about as big as this platform and only about one, two, three, four squares. About this wide. It's not very big. Which is precisely the reason why the disciples were so much in consternation when the waves of the Sea of Galilee were rocking. It's a small boat. And so the tendency is this thing is going to collapse. Jesus is in the hinder part of the boat, and he's sleeping, and they are trying to deal with this storm, and he doesn't even seem to act like it's a big deal. Have you ever been in a storm before? I understand where the disciples were. They were in a storm. Anybody ever been there in a storm? Anybody in a storm? Praise God. We have two individuals ironically sitting beside each other that are in a storm. Brother John Darman went into Walmart parked right in the front of the building with the security going back and forth right there. Went in to get a few things, walked back out. His truck is gone, stolen, right in front of the building. Brother Terry Stewart, you're saying, you guys uh, say birds of a feather flock together. You guys need to move away from each other, okay? Brother, Brother Terry Stewart, on the way here, had a, 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 a van vehicle with a trailer full of over $100,000 worth of equipment in it. Stopped at a hotel in Texas. Walked out the next morning. No trailer, no equipment, gone. Found the trailer, but all the equipment was gone. 
over $100,000 worth. Ladies and gentlemen, when you go through things like that, it's a storm. Every, every single tool that John had was in his truck, his livelihood. Brother Brian Gregg told me he will not park his truck anywhere that he can't see. Because we live in a crazy world where there are thieves that rob and steal and destroy and, and, have, and have no compunction in doing so. Do you know the scripture says, treat, treat your, love your neighbor as yourself is one of the, the greatest rules that come right behind loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. Praise God. People work hard for that stuff. And so when you steal, you're taking away from their livelihood and everything that they've tried to do. Praise God. I've talked to people that they like the five-finger discount. I've heard these conversations even in the church. It should never happen. An apostolic should never pilfer and steal from the shelves. That was kind of weak. Praise God. If you need something, you need to find somebody in the house of God and say, you know what? You're my brother and sister. I just got to be honest here. I need some help. Rather than stealing. <laughs> that stealing business, that comes from the monster. God knows. The Bible said, I have not seen the righteous forsaking nor his seed begging bread. If we really believe that, we believe that God is a provider. And God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And so I'm not going to take it upon myself to do the devil's business. I'm going to do God's business. And I'm going to trust him. Praise God. And so they're in a storm. And they wake Jesus up and they said, Master, don't you see that we're in a storm? And Jesus gets up and he walks to the other side of the boat and he steps out on the bow of the boat and he says unto the wind, he rebukes the wind and he says unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obeys him? You know what they found out that particular day? This was not just a great teacher. This was somebody that was greater than just a rabbi and a teacher. This was God manifested in the flesh. And as God, he could create all things into existence. And as God, he could step out and rebuke the wind and calm the seas. Praise God. If you're in a storm here today, there is a God that knows how to silence the storms. I would encourage you in the house of God today. It doesn't take away the sting. It doesn't take away the hurt. It doesn't take away the anger. It doesn't take away the dissatisfaction. But what it does take away is knowing this that God ultimately has it all under control this is not going to destroy me this is not going to take me out this is not going to confuse me because God is faithful and he's going to calm the storm in my life if you're go if you're going through a storm there is a God that is greater than the storm and he's able to speak to the elements 
I believe that in the house of God today. Praise God. Those are archetypes. Now, let me talk to you something about more than just archetypes as we come to a conclusion here this morning. Some things that may be greater than Goliath, greater than lions, and greater than the storms of life. There is something that is a monster, a threatening force, and that is called sin. Paul, in his, in his ability to be a pastor, to be a missionary, and to be a theologian, a man that impacted the entire known world, the Gentile world, and the world. In his treatise to the Romans, in Romans chapter 7, started talking about the power of sin. He said in verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin, for what I do I allow not, for what I would, that do I not, that what I hate, that do I. This struggle, this invasion of sin that has a power and an influence and the ability to dictate my actions. And he is describing in chapter 7 his consternation, his, his difficulty of, of wrapping his head around the fact that what I want to do I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he says, now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. There is an invasion of sin that dictates my actions. He said in verse number 19, for the good that I would, I do not, and the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I delight, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. It's like, it's like this, this battle in, in Paul's spiritual understanding that I want to do what is right. I want to do what is good. That's why I'm here, because I want to do what is right. But at the same time, there's also this law of carnality that is pulling me a different direction. So what I want, I don't do. And what I don't want, I end up doing. And when he, when he got to the end of all of that, he lets out with an ex exclamation and he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Because there is this, it is it's like this, this threatening force that is constantly speaking into my world. And he comes to the conclusion of that and he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he says at the end, he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Chapter number seven is, is the domination 
of sin. It is the monster that Paul is grappling with and trying to figure out. And, and I love chapter 7 because it describes every single one of us. Praise God. I'm still striving. Every one of us in this place is still striving. May have a suit on, a tie, look nice, but there's, there's, there's a struggle that goes on. And in my own ability, I can't do it. And Paul recognized, I want to do it in my own mind. I want to do it, but I can't do it. There's got to be something that is more powerful that is able to silence the domination of sin. And sin happens to everybody. The wages of sin is death. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Nobody in this place measures up. Every single one of us do not measure. We have all sinned and come short. And the wages of that sin is death. And Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from my situation? There has to be an agent that activates something that is stronger than this, this monster, this sin that is in my life that gives me the ability to conquer it, live above it, strive up to live above it that gives me a power that, that helps me to live above it. Without it, without it, I am a wretched individual. But then in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, Paul turns the corner and he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit and life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and and death. There is something that silences the monster. What is it? The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God in your life gives you the ability to activate God's power. And instead of Instead of being in the muck and mire and miry clay of sin and degradation, the Holy Ghost elevates you, lifts you out of that, and then gives you the power and the ability. And God silences the monster when he fills you with the Holy Ghost. You are more than a conqueror. Sin cannot control you. Sin cannot dictate to you because there is something that is greater than sin, and it's the Holy Ghost. Praise God if somebody's excited about the Spirit of God. Why don't you clap your hands together? That's how you're going to make it. That's how you're going to overcome. It's through the empowering ability of God's Spirit in your life. God, musicians, come if you would. Archetypes, giants, lions, nature. <laughs> Let's just do a quick survey here. Does anybody else have a situation in the scripture where God silences? Yeah, go ahead, Brother Andrew. Yes, right, that's testimony. That's a great testimony. Praise God. That's a personal testimony. 
Any examples in script? There's a lot of them. I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't get all of them in. But is there any other? What, Stephanie? They were going to be thrown in the fiery furnace, and God silences Nebuchadnezzar in the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in and says, "Wait a minute! I thought we only threw in three. I see four. There's another one walking in the fire with them. Praise God." The woman that was brought to Jesus, they were going to stone her for her indiscretion, which was ironic because she was brought, but the man wasn't. If she was caught in adultery, where was he? Terrible, terrible patriarchal society that wanted to cover the men, but uncover the women in their failures. And Jesus, in one instance, silenced that whole patriarchal system and raised that woman up to the level of mercy and said, you're all on the same page here. And he said, go and sin no more. And he silenced the accusers. Woo! That's good. Praise God. Sister Karina. Huh? Yes, Esther and Mordecai. Haman silenced Haman. Haman had all this stuff. He was orchestrating all this stuff. But God, through the voice of Esther, said the gallows that you've created are going to be the ones that you're hung on. And he silenced. Woo! Silenced the voice. Yes, sir, way back in the back. Hey, hey, you're stealing the last part of my message. Sit down there, brother. <laughs> That's a <laughs> Woo, you got it. You got it. You got it. There's so many, but uh, that sin is way up there and this one is way up there and you just stole my thunder. But we're going to work together here at the end. Praise God, because one of the greatest things that would silence other people was death and the grave. In the Old Testament, the grave was something people feared because it shut off their voice. And for them, worshiping God was the ultimate. They didn't have a concept of the kingdom of God that carried on to eternity. So the fact that you would have your voice silenced from being able to worship God on a daily basis is something that the psalmist talked about often. The grave had a control. Death had a control, had an ability to control and to manipulate. And by the time you get into the New Testament, there's this understanding and there's this hope that there would come a Messiah that would be able to subjugate death and the grave. But it was unclear. It wasn't known. And when Jesus came, he gave an introduction in the case of the man by the name of Lazarus. When the sisters, Martha and Mary, get the word to Jesus, Jesus hung around, didn't get there. He got there four days late. They said at that point, if you could have been here earlier, you might have been able to raise him from the grave and death. But by now he stinks. It's all over. It's an impossibility. Nothing is going to happen. But there was one by the name of Jesus that just wanted to introduce just a little bit about his power and his ability to the voice that had silenced so very many. 
And when he gets to the place, he tells them, roll away the stone. And he lifted up his eyes and he said this prayer. Father, I thank you because you have heard me. And I knew that you hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. What Jesus was saying is the grave is not going to hold an apostolic individual that's full of the Holy Ghost. Even once they have died, there is coming a day in which they're going to come up out of the grave in resurrection power because of my spirit that is going to resurrect them. The grave can't hold Lazarus. Jesus himself went to the grave and when they got to that tomb the angel said to the woman fear not for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here for he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. Praise God as we stand together in the house of God this morning. There is one that is able to silence the accuser. The greatest obstacles are prevented or prohibited from speaking authoritatively. They can speak. They will speak. But they are prohibited and prevented from speaking authoritatively because the authority that is greater than all of those things is Jesus. Praise God. His power, his ability is able to speak above and beyond every obstacle and difficulty. And John saw it in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 3. He said, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. Praise God. The altar emphasis here this morning is... Let the king silence the monster. Praise God. Whatever your situation is in life this morning, if you're in a storm, there's a God that knows how to silence the storm. Praise God. I invite you to this altar. If you're facing giants in your life, praise God. I'm telling you there is a God that silences every Goliath. And I open this altar to you. If there are lions that are ravenous beasts that have come against you in so many different types of ways, there is one that is able to silence the monster. If you're here this morning and sin is driving you to and fro,
and it seems like there's no way to get free of all of those things that you find yourself in. There is one that is able to silence sin. You feel like things have been closed up and you're in a grave. And the grave has silenced every bit of your future. There is one that is greater. Praise God. There is one that is greater. Hallelujah. And the rest of the church, let's lift our hands and our voice today in the house of God. He's still moving. Yes, He's Lord. still moving just how great he is, how great he is. He's still moving. Still moving. He's still moving just still how great he is, how great he is. Oh. He's still moving. Praise God. Somebody step out and help some of these people that are here. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. 